Welcome, and thank you for listening to this episode of the Inside the Walk podcast. If you would, please stop and pray that the Lord would make this episode a blessing to you. And if you want to help another Christian out, make sure to share this episode with them. Thank you. Hey, Brother Colton, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you for coming on uh, today. Yes, sir. All right. Okay, do you mind open a, opening us up in a word of prayer? Yeah, we'll do. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for this day. I ask that you use this interview, use this conversation that we're about to have to make a difference in at least one person's life. And I ask that you have everything that we say today in this next, these next few minutes to bring you glory and honor and in your son's holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, again, thank you for coming on today. And um, for you guys listening, uh, I know Brother Colton, we went to high school together. And <clears throat> I know that this wasn't in what I sent you. Uh, but can you just share what, what you're doing right now, how you're serving the Lord? Yeah, I'd love to. And uh, yeah, for those that know Isaiah and know me, you know that I was born and raised in Shelbyville, Tennessee, where you are, there at Victor Baptist Church, raised there, but graduated college this past May. So several months ago, we got married and all that. And then in June, my wife and I moved to Florida, and we've been in Fort, the little town of Fort Pierce, they're on the east coast of Florida, on the Atlantic side, uh, serving the Lord at Liberty Baptist Church in Fort Pierce, and making a difference there, trying to at least, and I'm the youth pastor, teacher of the Christian school as well, also. So that's kind of what we're doing now. Good, good. I'm glad to hear that you're staying busy serving the Lord. But um, first question, I'll just go ahead and jump straight into the interview. Okay. The first question is, where would you say that the line is between uh, faith and laziness when it comes to God's will? So in other words, uh, how much is required on our part to do uh, to accomplish God's will? Yeah. So this question, I'll be honest, this is probably the hardest one. I spent the most mm-hmm. time thinking yeah. it was this first one. And I was like, well, at least you're loading me up on the first ones and get it out of the way and they get easier. But as we all know, faith is a necessary part of life. Uh, we exercise it in all the decisions we make every day, like whether we realize it or not, the chair that you're sitting in, the chair I'm sitting in, we both are exercising faith, sitting in that chair. Uh, the cars that we drive to work, we're exercising faith in the fact that that car is gonna start, it's gonna drive, it's gonna stop when we hit the brakes, it's gonna park when we tell it to park. And we exercise faith in everything we do. When we go to the coffee shop, we go to the restaurant, we're exercising faith in the fact that they're gonna get our order right. A lot of times they don't. We're exercising, we're showing faith and trust in the fact that it is. And we all live by faith. We all do, whether we realize it or not. And a lot of people thinking, well, think, well, living by faith, it means I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to trust the Lord and do nothing at all until Jesus comes. And I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. But that is not the picture of faith. As we see here in scripture, faith is about waiting on the Lord, yes, but also being busy working until he gives us the next step. We see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. We walk by faith, not by sight. There's still walking going on. You're still moving. But it's by faith, not by sight. This past Sunday at church, uh, my pastor actually preached on that very passage, and he made a statement. He said, I've been a pastor for 45 years, but I don't walk by experience. I still walk by faith, just like someone who's been saved a year. We all walk by faith. It does require faith, yes, but it also requires the walking. And we have to. So true faith requires us working and the exact opposite of being lazy. It requires us working and being busy, knowing, doing what God has called us to do what we know God wants us to do until God reveals that next step of faith. 
that he requires us to take. It reminds me of Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, where the verse says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. But that opening phrase, they that wait upon the Lord. So I heard someone say one time that if you look at the Greek and that word wait, it doesn't mean a sitting there with your hands folded, you know, singing Kumbaya by the fire, doing nothing. But it's a kind of wait that means you're busy, you're doing what you know to do, and you're waiting on God to give you the next thing you're to do on top of the thing you're already doing. So part of faith, we think of this picture of this monk sitting in doing nothing, just, you know, sitting around a fire waiting. But no, the picture of faith in scripture is you're busy doing what you know God has called you to do. And along the way, God, the Holy Spirit will push us and urge us to take a step of faith and take that step out, not knowing where it's going to lead us, but trusting the Lord and the fact that he will. So I'd say that's probably the line to draw is making sure you're busy doing what you know God has called you to do. Because each of us know there are certain things that God wants us to do. He wants me to read the scriptures. He wants me to pray. He wants me to be a witness. He wants me to be a faithful tither. He wants me to be faithful at church. Those are things I know to do. And while I'm doing those things I know to do, that exercises faith. And then in the process, God is going to show me what the next step is. And God often doesn't reveal his will to the person who's lazy doing nothing, but those that are busy serving God, those are the ones God chooses to give the next step of direction to those that are already moving. So that's what I would say would be the answer to that. Yeah, that's a good answer. I believe Uh, scripture backs you up on that, that we have to keep walking. And if we do just stay faithful walking, God will lead us. Um, in the path that he wants us to take. But next question, number two, is what is the most important lesson uh, that the Lord has taught you through your time walking with him? Yeah, so a lot of lessons I've learned, but I really, as you said, I had to choose one. So the one I would say the Lord has taught me that's been the most important one, I learned this at college, especially during my freshman year, and really throughout college, but especially that freshman year of college four years ago is this lesson that God's work is much greater than I realized it ever was. You know, a lot of times you may think, well, God's work is going on in Shelbyville, and I'll think, yeah, it's going on in Fort Pierce. But we tend to forget. We get we walk around with blinders on thinking God is only working in our town or God's only working here. But we need to realize that God is working in the towns around us, the states around us, the world around us. We're not the only one God is using. He's using other people to make a difference. And for us to accomplish God's work, of seeing the world saved, of saving the lost. It requires us realizing that God's work is always previous, that God's work is much greater than me. And because a lot of times we think, well, you know, if it wasn't for me, God would be able to save this town or God would be able to save these kids if it wasn't for me. But no, God's working everywhere. He's working in everyone's life, trying to draw them to salvation. He's working in those who are saved to give that message to others. And God's work is a global work. And when we realize that and we get on board, we can then truly make the difference. Reminds me of Mark 16, 15, where he says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In Acts chapter 1, he mentions getting the gospel into Israel, uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the world. And God's work is always previous. It's always a global work. It's not just in me, not just in you. And when we realize, you know, God's work is much bigger than I ever thought it was, and we get on board with that then God can make use us to make the difference. That's probably one of the biggest lessons God has taught me in these last few years. Hmm. Yeah, that's a very important lesson. Um, next third question is what led to your surrender to preach? Yeah, so it was freshman year of college. I remember I went to Crown 
and went there for a business degree. And that's what I thought God wanted me to do. So I went there for that. And during my first semester, freshman year, uh, we had a missions conference. And I remember sitting there under the preaching, hearing the messages. And I remember a preacher specifically got up and was talking about reaching the youth of the world and, and impacting them for Christ. I remember that sticking with me. And I thought, well, I can make a difference serving youth as a businessman, as a banker, something like that in the business world, which is what I thought God wanted me to do. But at the time, I was starting to get more active. I was serving in bus ministry and college campus ministry and Teens for Christ, nursing homes. I was trying to help as, as much as I could. And one of the things that really drew me to ministry was the joy. And I remember growing up seeing the joy on Brother Lloyd's face, I, my youth pastor, that later on the pastor at the time, and just seeing the energy off of him, of others that were serving the Lord. And I just remember thinking, they make serving the Lord look like a lot of fun. Now, obviously, it is fun, but there's other things that make it not as fun, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. But there was that joy, and I, I loved doing it. I loved serving. It was just became part of me. That's something I looked forward to every week. I remember at one point, this is probably about a month later, I kind of put off that call. But you know what? God's not really calling me. It's just wanting me to serve him more. That's it. Mm. And I remember when he wasn't my roommate at college, but he was in the room right next door. We were doing something. I can't even remember honestly what it was, but we were doing something in the dorm and we were talking. And I remember he actually looked at me kind of point blank and he said, hey, Colton, you enjoy ministry so much. Why don't you be a preacher? Why don't you do this full time in your life? Why are you trying to get a business degree? And I looked at him kind of my jaw dropped like, what? I never heard those. I've never, I've thought that in my head, but never actually verbalized mm-hmm. that. Like, this is crazy. And I said, well, and I kind of reasoned around it saying, well, you know, I just, I can do both. I can be bivocational if I wanted to. I could do this, that, which is true. And I kind of pushing off that, that night when he mentioned it. But that night when I went to go to bed, it seemed like I sat there and laid in bed for about an hour or two just thinking about it. And I couldn't escape it. And I felt like God was pricking my heart saying, that was your not so subtle hint that you need to get this settled in your life. And I remember the next day thinking, all right, well, I won't surrender to preach. I'll just surrender to serve youth. I remember saying that to God. And it was funny because I called Brother Lloyd, told him the decision, said, hey, Brother Lloyd, I, I you know, surrendered to serve teenagers, to reach teenagers, kind of like what you do at the time. And it was funny. He looked, or not looked, he was on the phone, and he, without hesitating, said, so you're telling me you're called to preach, right? And I didn't want him, and I said, well, yes, that would be correct. And I knew at that point I had committed to this, and that was the Lord pushing me along, again, a step of faith, kind of like that first question there busy serving the Lord. And then he slowly revealed the steps to me and just exercising faith in that. And ever since then, everyone kind of told me, Hey, yeah, we thought that this would be you, but we didn't want to tell you that. We want to let the Lord do it. And I kind of was like, why can't you just tell me that before I went through all that stuff, you know, so I can get that over with. But yeah, so that's kind of my story, how I felt the surrender to preach. Yeah. Um, I, I love to hear how the Lord works in people's hearts. And I never heard that before. So I'm glad to hear that uh, that story. And that's sort of how it was for me, too. At first, I just surrendered a little bit and then uh, a little bit more. But eventually, um, the Lord led me to surrender fully. And you had a big part in that. But the fourth question is, how can a Christian be certain that they're hearing God's voice and not another voice? Yeah, so the key for me in that we see in Scripture is staying grounded in Scripture. Because... The Bible is God's words, and if we're going to hear God's voice, we find it in the Scripture. He doesn't speak to us, and, you know, he doesn't come down from, you know, the sky and appear to us in like a telegraph or a hologram saying, hey, this is what you need to do. No, he speaks to us through his word. 
So if we're going to hear God's voice and make sure it's not and not hearing Satan or some other voice telling us to do something, we find that in God's word because Satan's not going to speak to us in the scriptures. He may try to twist them mm-hmm. like he did with Eve there in Genesis chapter three, but ultimately God speaks to us through his word. So if we're going to make sure we're hearing God's voice, you've got to spend time in the word. If you're not back to hear from the Lord and come stand grounded in the truth. You know, Satan may try to confuse and even drown out God's voice, and he does that by trying to get us to not read our Bibles, to put it off. Say, hey, just do your devotions tomorrow. You know, or hey, you can put it off till this evening. Everything will be okay. And those are the times when God speaks to us, missing out. So God says, if we're going to hear His voice, it comes from the Scripture. He says there in Second Timothy chapter two, verse fifteen, that study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Meaning, there's someone who is skilled in the word. And that when they're reading the scriptures, they're able to interpret and know what God is saying to them because he speaks to us through the Bible. So if we want to be certain we're hearing God's voice and not Satan's or not the world or someone else, spend time in the word. That'll help. Think of Samuel, for instance, in the book of 1 Samuel, where he says, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth." He realized it was God, and we realized that the Bible is God speaking to me and to you. We have to say, all right, Lord, speak, for thy servant heareth. I'm listening. Tell me what you need to tell me. And that is how we can be sure we're hearing the Lord's voice is spending time and getting ourselves grounded in the truth. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And I believe that it's when you get away from the scripture and, and neglect your Bible reading, it, that's when you have to worry. But again, I agree with that answer. And the second last question I have for you is what advice do you have for someone who wants to have <clears throat> who wants to have fellowship with God, who wants to get close to God? What advice yeah, do you so, have for them? Yeah, so kind of going off last question, I would again say stay in the book, stay in the scriptures, spend time in God's word, growing in that, because ultimately that's how God speaks to us. He speaks to me when I have my devotions, when I read the Bible. Same for you, same for every believer out there. If you want to hear God's voice, get in the book, and you'll find that you may pick some random book, random chapter, and if you spend time reading it, you'll find that God will speak to you where you're at, show you what you need to do what you need to fix, things you need to add in your life, things you need to take out. And it all goes back to spending time in the Word. And in growing that communion, as you mentioned, communion is a relationship, this idea of one fellowshipping with another. And we know that God speaks to us through the Bible, and then we speak to God back through prayer. Think of it like breathing in and breathing out. They're both, one is not more important than the other. They're both of equal importance. If all you do is breathe in, you're going to suffocate. If all you do is breathe out, you're still going to suffocate. You have to have both of those. And if we're going to have that proper relationship, having it both sided both ways, it comes from us spending time reading God's word, letting him speak to me directly to my life, and then responding back to that in prayer. But make it a point every day to talk to God. Don't say, well, I'll just talk to him once a week. I'll talk to him, you know, once every two, three days. Make it a daily thing. Make it a habit saying, you know what? When I get up in the morning from this time to this time, this is God's. But when I get off work, Uh, From this time at night to this time, this is God. It's uninterrupted. I'm going to spend time in his word. I'm going to spend time speaking to him in prayer and communing back and forth. Think of the life of Enoch, for instance. He walked with God. That's what he was known for. We only have about 10 or so verses about his entire life. Yet he's one of two people that actually didn't die on earth and was taken up to be with God in heaven. He was taken up, transfigured there. And the reason why it says that he walked with God. That was a simple description. It's just he walked with God. Four words. Yet those four words changed his life because he spent time talking to God. And I get it. Life is busy. I'm, I'm busy. We're all busy. We have busy lives. 
but still make it, make it a priority. You know, we still we make it a priority to look at Instagram, to look at Facebook, to watch TV, but make it a priority to read the word, make it a priority to read a good Christian biography, to read a devotional, to spend time talking to God in prayer, make a point to do those things. And then lastly on this, uh, a statement I heard a preacher say one time, it was really the theme for their church. It was actually there at Temple where I was at at Crown, uh, Dr. Sexton, he made a statement. He said, build your life on the Bible. And I like that motto. He said, everything we do should be building. We're building our life on some sort of a foundation in life, whether the world or the scriptures. He said, but you need to make sure your life is built on the scriptures, built on the Bible, built on God's word. Because when the storms of life are coming, and they will, if we're built on the Bible, we're not going to fall. We're going to stay standing strong because we're grounding ourselves in God's word and his truth. And if you want to have communion with God, it comes with spending time with him, talking to him daily, letting him talk to us, speaking to our lives, and then listening to that voice and taking that seriously. So that's what I would say for that question there. I can back that up. I, I agree. It's so important to stay in the word, um, to read the Bible and to pray. Uh, both of those things are so important when it comes to having communion with God. But on the topic of, of prayer, moving on to the last question, what is, in your opinion, the most important thing to pray for? And, and there can be multiple answers to this. You can name several things, but it's the most important thing to pray for. Yeah, so the first one comes in Matthew chapter 9. And the reason I say this is because this is what Jesus said. So I tend to think that's kind of important if he says it there. And it's, if you study the scripture, you find that this is the only prayer request that he gave us. And it's in Matthew chapter 9, verses 37 and 38. Where he says, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. So I believe the most important prayer request, according to scripture, is to pray for laborers. Pray for those to go out and to give the gospel. And oftentimes when I prayed this prayer, and when you pray this prayer, and anyone listening prays this prayer, God uses us as the laborers. When I'm saying, God, send out laborers, he says, all right. You go out, Colton. You're one of the laborers now. And I'm sure you said to say the same thing, and all of us can. And when we pray for laborers in the harvest, he says, pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers in to his harvest. And then in chapter 10, verse 1, the following verses, and when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. And then the following 20 or so verses, he's sending the disciples out and they're going out and doing what he says in verse 37 and 38. They're sending out laborers into the harvest. But a few things I'll share another prayer request to others. And these are just from myself things that I've tried praying and the Lord's used to make a difference in my life. Is this number one, outside of the one I just read there, is pray that the Lord would refresh you through your devotions. And I pray that I try to pray that as much as I can. I'll try to say, Lord, refresh me through my devotions. Please give me something new, something fresh to get me going today, something to she wanted it to make a difference in my life. And when each of us spend time asking the Lord to do that, that'll make a bigger difference in your life than you ever realize. And we'll see here in a second, the next prayer request, which kind of builds off of that. Then after I've prayed for the Lord to refresh me through my devotions, then I try to ask the Lord to help me refresh others. And I believe if you pray those two things, listen, that can make a big difference in your life. But you see, we all want to make a difference. We all want to live a Jude 22 life of having compassion, making a difference or a um, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, here my Lord, send me. But we don't want to go through the, our lives being changed, us being purified, us being changed, so that we can go out and make a difference and a change in the world. 
Because when God makes a difference in my heart, then I can be used to make a difference in someone else's. And when we spend time and pray for those two things, God will, one, he'll refresh you, he'll give you strength for the day, a renewed zeal, a renewed passion, something that day that you need. And then he'll use you to go out and to take that and to give it to someone else. You see, ultimately, I can try to make a difference on my own and give someone something. But ultimately, according to God, my advice is futile. It's nothing. But when God has given me something, and then I give that to someone else, not only am I refreshed and encouraged, but that person I gave it to is now refreshed and encouraged, and their life has changed as a result. So those would be just a few things that I would share on that as just a few prayer requests, a few things to pray for. Yeah, I agree with uh, uh, the last one, especially the um, praying that you can make a difference in others' lives. That's something that the Lord has been, um, I guess, showing me a lot about through my Bible reading lately, just making a difference in other people's lives. So I agree with you there. But lastly, before I close in a word of prayer, I just want to uh, let the listeners know that uh, Colton has a podcast. Uh, it's called the Fires of Revival podcast. You should check it out. Uh, he helped me start this podcast. So if you if you can, check out his podcast. Again, the Fires of Revival. But that's all for this episode. And I'll close in a word of prayer. Dear Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you uh, for this opportunity to record. I thank you for Colton and uh, his willingness to serve you in his heart. I ask that you would uh, continue to help the both of us grow and you and everyone listening to grow and to serve you more and to stay busy in your work. I ask that you would also uh, enlarge our hearts for you and your word. And I ask that you would uh, bless my podcast and Colton's podcast and give us wisdom concerning them. And I ask this all in your son's name. Amen.